Hello and welcome to the Bankers podcast series, Banking Under Pressure, exploring how the financial services industry is coping with the COVID-19 pandemic. In this series, we're talking to industry experts from around the world to gather insights and advice on specific challenges, best practices, and innovations that can help banks and their customers manage during these tough times. I'm Joy McKnight, Managing Editor of The Banker, and my guest this week is Arati Samuel Ogbu, Europe, the Middle East, and Africa Payments and Receivables Head, Treasury and Trade Solutions at Citi. Areti, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Joy. So can you sort of give some insights into how the coronavirus crisis is really impacting Citi's corporate clients, such as merchants, especially in EMEA? Most of our clients are working from home, which means that their interaction with us has become more digital, whether Mm -hmm. it's in terms of account opening, sending of documentation, and of course, transactions as well. It also means that for them, our clients, they have had to get increasingly more digital in terms of their sales. So for those who were dealing with direct consumers uh, and had retail outfits, they now need to deal with those consumers digitally. So it means that more sales have moved to e-commerce and more sales have moved online. And many of our clients do both, both um, business-to-business sales, selling to aggregators, but increasingly, and we can see that in the statistics even before COVID, direct-to-consumer sales are increasing by 20% year-on-year. So that digitization of sales to consumers and that move, that pivot, is accelerating. And I think uh, the third thing is just the uncertainty of what's mm-hmm. going on in terms of how that is impacting us as individuals and how that is impacting our clients as well. Uh, just some examples of what we're seeing in uh, Middle East, North Africa, um, Sub-Saharan Africa as well. Many of these countries now had earlier cutoff times like Congo, Uganda, Algeria, Jordan, Egypt. Uh, some others have restricted um, hours of trading like in Kenya. And so we just find that our clients are having to navigate a whole load of uncertainty and the change is, 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 is quite rapid. Okay, so you touched on some of the areas, sort of the pain point areas. What are the other areas where your clients are really struggling and then what steps is City taking to help the clients through these difficult times? One of the things we're doing to um, enable that digitization process is where we would have taken documents with wet signatures, we're mm-hmm. accepting them digitally. So that really helps so they don't have to physically uh, send us documents for um, you know, account opening and other interactions we have with them. And um, in terms of uh, our electronic connectivity with them, we already have been connecting with our clients through files, through our online banking platform, through SWIFT. But Sometimes these capabilities are not as easy to work um, on from home. Mm-hmm. So increasingly, we've been able to deliver City Direct on a tablet for our clients. Their teams who are working from home can then access, use an iPad or a phone to actually initiate and approve transactions, which makes uh, life a lot easier. And, and the third thing really is in terms of payment intermediaries and the reconciliation tools that we provide them. One of the um, uh, positive aspects of a good reconciliation tool is the ability to provide cash uh, applications quickly. 
And of course, we know at this time um, that many um, of our customers uh, have liquidity challenges because, of course, they're not getting as much money in as they have done in the past. So the ability to reconcile quickly, apply the cash to the sale quickly through tools like virtual accounts and payer ID um, for our clients means that funds are released a lot quicker and it expedites the uh, cash availability and impacts uh, the liquidity positively. And I wanted to ask you really about some of the measures. Obviously, a lot of governments have now really stepped up to the plate in trying to deliver uh, measures to help, um, especially corporate clients and then also the SME space. What do you think government should be doing to help businesses weather this crisis? Governments have a great opportunity to digitize themselves. And this is, even before COVID, a journey that they've been on to improve mm. uh, their operating efficiency. But a number of governments have also announced measures in terms of social welfare payments. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that would be helpful for governments, and we're seeing that already, is making those payments digitally and using um, very efficient last mile connectivity such as instant banking or instant payments rather, SEPA, and um, in some cases even wallets. Mm. So the more governments are able to digitize themselves, um, the easier it is for them to make the social welfare payments. But the interesting thing that we're seeing governments doing to um, support at this time is that um, there's quite a lot of pricing forbearance and concessions that seem to be taking place. In Egypt, for example, they have requested that local currency fees be, transaction fees be waived for three months. Mm -hmm. In Greece, for certain sectors, they have mandated um, check issuers to add 75 days to those um, issuance dates. Mm -hmm. And uh, that means that for particular sectors like retail and also uh, the shoe manufacturing sector and others that have been named, it means that they have 75 days incremental um, liquidity. And in Kenya, they have asked for wallet fees for Mpesa to be waived. Mm -hmm. And we know that um, in the UK, uh, the contactless amounts have gone up from 35 to 45 pounds. Mm. So there are all of these concessions, not just pricing, but also from a transaction and limit perspective to um, facilitate uh, corporates and and others um, at this time. But another interesting thing we're seeing is the regulatory forbearance. We see that in terms of um, SWIFT announcing with their ISO XML program, which is the standardized messaging, which is... Mm -hmm. uh, that they were about to introduce that um, enhances interoperability and also compliance and so on. They have moved out their dates from November 2021 to November 2022. So that has been pushed out um, by a year. And then there's a new uh, foreign currency transparency regulation in Europe called Regulation 924, where aspects of compliance have also been relaxed a little bit. So we're seeing that governments and regulators seem to be also playing their part to try and be as helpful as possible at this time. So how do you think that COVID-19 will, the whole crisis, will accelerate the move to digital payments? And this is the sort of the death knell of cash? Well, cash has always been an expensive endeavor anyway. 
Mm. And um, I think I saw a statistic that said that in India, it's 1.7% of GDP or $210 billion spent printing, storing, distributing cash. So mm. it has always been um, a difficult means of payment and an expensive means of payment. But I, I do see that... Um, digitization is going to be um, increased, even from a personal level, uh, clearly because we're not going off to the shops anymore, um, mm. uh, certainly not as much. Much of what we need is, is delivered um, you know, at, at the doorstep, which means that payment um, is, is digital. But I, we also see that um, there are other means that are increasing that digitization. So there are some countries that have actually banned checks during the lockdown. Mm -hmm. um, and um, like Nigeria and other countries have imposed maximum values uh, for checks like Egypt, for example. So I think cash may only be available for those who are in the more vulnerable and financially excluded category. But for everyone else, it looks like um, the growth of direct to consumer has accelerated more at this time and um, uh, digitization certainly um, has increased. There are countries, for example, where they used to do manually initiated funds transfers, but because mm. there's a lockdown and those transactions cannot be sent physically by paper anymore, um, they are now being forced to use digital means of communication and of initiating transactions. So my last question is around open banking. Uh, what role do you think open banking will play in the new world of digital payments? It's pertinent now because even before um, COVID-19, open banking has always been, to my mind, a fantastic proposition in terms of providing optionality for mm -hmm. consumers. It means that they have a less risky, in my mind, way of making payments because secure authentication that is required before a payment flows from a bank account. But of course, there's also the fact that um, because it's paid from a bank account, you also do not have to experience an um, interchange fee. So there's a, a possibility that um, the merchant can share some of that saving with the consumer and it means that the consumer has a, a, a product that is slightly cheaper. So there were all of those things going for the consumer and for open banking before. Now with COVID, what I think it means is that with increased digitization, it means that consumers have a wider choice of um, payment methods and with consumers doing more online, than um, in terms of walking into a bricks and mortar uh, setup, it means that they have the ability to leverage this to pay for their transactions. I think the other aspect of open banking, which we don't talk as much about, which I think has actually been the more successful aspect, is how you are able to access information about your various bank accounts, wherever they are. And this is something that for corporates, we're beginning to see as a trend. So rather than connecting uh, through SWIFT to various different banks, if those banks are in Europe and they have an API that has been published, it means that that information now can be received instantly mm -hmm. by an API without having to wait for a SWIFT connectivity. So there's the ability to view liquidity wherever it is in Europe, and then there's the ability to also uh, concentrate that liquidity. No, that's not there at the moment, but that's something that's a future play. You know, with what I had mentioned earlier, with increased digitization, with increased sales happening 
online uh, e-commerce rather than through bricks and mortar, it does mean that all the digital tools that um, provide uh, payment capability uh, will start to grow. Alternative payment types will start to grow and open banking will probably flourish um, even more in that um, new uh, future. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Areti. And thanks to our audience for listening. Keep up to date by subscribing to our weekly podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, and Acast, and follow our discussions at thebanker.com slash podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you.